Last time on Fans on the Run. Honestly, from getting involved in a little way with back catalogs and archives, you wouldn't believe it. I could tell you a story actually with the idle race, um, which would answer a lot of people's queries because I never really wrote this online. It's not, I'm not giving away anything here. It's just that I didn't want to get into typing it. Does this a lot have times to do like with the, the idle race box set that never <coughs> was? No, but it's, you know, that's another thing altogether. That that was, that got to a certain point, but it, it, it didn't really stand a chance, a little chance. Again, it was a case of, I think it was a case of uh, people leaving certain parts of companies and those people were, you know, advocates for releasing it and they could push it through. But when they go, it's just everything gets thrown in the bin. But it's, all, it's to do with the back to the story reissue. Uh, oh, that, that didn't have the, the Night Riders. That it's missing uh, yeah. the Night Riders tracks? Yeah. So when they released it initially, originally, and, you know, obviously back to the story was a lot of money to buy um, for a long time online, 200 quid plus probably just because it was a very difficult CD to get, but also I had the Night Rider strikes because when they, when they reissued it, they were gone, conspicuous by their absence, as they say. Um, so I was chatting to Rob, and I just asked him a simple question, you know, why? Why are they not there? You know, that's... And he goes, well, it's simple. He says, in, in the interim between when they released them, because uh, obviously... The Night Rider stuff was Polydor originally. And so a lot of these releases from 60s, from the 65, 66, all them times, so many different Essex music, metric music, yeah. Westminster music, you know, all that kind of yeah, stuff. Trying to trying to figure out the, the ins and outs of, especially like the Move catalog, it's really yeah. confusing because there's so many yeah, different and... moving pieces, pun intended. It's like, oh, yes. okay, what's Fly, Essex, Cube, yeah. Uh, yeah. Straight Ahead? Well, yeah, well, I think there's one, uh, there's probably one name that would answer all that, Don Arden, because, you know, he had his finger in everything. And I think, you know, the fact that he just would sign a deal with anybody to get money anywhere, you know, and, and have his finger in lots of points, probably a good reason that it was a bit fractured like that, you know. And uh, But the thing is, the Night Riders tracks, which was the four tracks, uh, 2A and Bs from that time, they fell into the hands of, they just got repossessed. Like, you know, the way, you know, you watch Storage Wars or something, and, you know, all of a sudden you buy a storage unit and they own stuff, you know. It's like, they just, those batch of songs were in with a, a separate case, legal case, to do with some other music company or whatever, and they were, thrown in with this particular lot and this solicitor at some company in London got control of them. Now, what this solicitor ended up finding out in his own stupid way, it's like people, you know, going, you meet them in the street and they go, oh, you collect vinyl, don't you? You go, yeah, yeah. Uh, I have a Beatles album. Uh, it's a red one. And it's only got one record in it, but it's it's got to be rare. I've seen that Beatles records are worth £10,000. You know those people? Yeah. You think you think one thing means one thing and that's it? Mm -hmm. Well, this guy here that Jeff Lynn was involved in the Night Riders. And at this time, Jeff Lynn had just done Anthology, Fraser Board, all the unbelievable stuff he'd done with, you know, Tom Petty and Orbison and all that stuff. And this solicitor said, when Rob came back to get the rights to reissue back the story, the solicitor said, 10 grand. 10 grand sterling just to have the four songs on the album. And 10 grand sterling was more than the entire budget of reissuing Back to Story. And it's also the reason why initially Rob was going to release uh, Message from the Country with the California Man clip that was found in Scotland. <laughs> the BBC Top of the Pops appearance, which was found in, on a tape in BBC Scotland, where they appear with the train behind them and stuff. It's a classic clip. And when that was found, because it initially went on to Top of the Pops 2 in Britain, and there was a big announcement that it was going to be on it, and I was waiting that day. I was recording my second album, and I stopped the session. I went up to it, because we were recording it in my flat, basically in the apartments, and I went upstairs to my flat, 
and put the fucking video on and, and recorded Top of the Pops 2 that evening. And it, it only went to Top of the Pops 2 because BBC asked for 50 grand for Rob to use it as a, as a DVD extra on the release of Mess from the Country. Can you believe that? Jesus. So, so a lot of these things, you know, a lot of the fans get annoyed, and rightly so, you know, I'd get annoyed as well with certain things. Um, I always was disappointed that there was no DVD with the Village Green Preservation Society with the with the Judy Felix performance, because that was all set to go. There was a, it was a there was a video extra, kind of DVD extra, going to go with that as well. That didn't happen, and, and that's sad, you know. Yeah. And stuff like. California Man DVD extra or like a CD-ROM extra or something on Mesh of the Country. That's fantastic. You know, that'd be great. And it's just, but they all, these people suddenly get these things and they think they're worth so much more than they are. They're worth so much to us, but it's not a monetary thing. Do you know what I mean? Mesh of the Country yeah. remaster is not going to sell fucking millions. No. Even if Jeff Lee and Roy Wood and Paul McCartney's on it, it's not going to sell millions. So, you know, that's just the way it is. These these certain bands had their time at their height and sold millions of records, but now it's like it is a niche kind of thing. And you think people would just be a bit malleable and you know just walk with each other, but solicitors, lawyers, they're not music people. No. So that's what happened with the four tracks and back to the story. That's the simple answer. They were priced out of the market, so they didn't put them on. It's I I keep waiting with like bated breath, uh, to see like one day, because the uh, Cherry Red has been putting out all these you know anthologies of different bands like the Tremolos and, you know even like July, and I know the grapefruit and all that stuff. Yeah, and waiting for them to do lesser like, lesser bands. Lesser bands, great I'm, bands, lesser great bands, but lesser bands and lesser history and lesser. Yeah, well, they they did the one idol rate. They did the birthday party, and yeah, I, I was up. waiting. It's like, okay, are they gonna do something else? What could they do? Like a complete idol race thing, and you know, I'm still waiting. Well, I say they cocked it up. I'm I'm not. I'm being a bit harsh, but. Honestly, and Cherry Red are, are kind of, they're, they're, they really are doing their best to release really good products and do it really well. And they're actually, just between me and you and, and the whole podcast, uh, you know, they're, they're trying their best, but there's still just the little things that they fall down on. And I don't know why they do, because they're quite easily fixed if you just had the right people there. Or one right person, but you know, on that reissue of the Barely Party, there, there is some kind of dog, dog level beep, going through the entire mono fucking mix of it or something. And it was point, it, it was pointed out on the Steve Hoffman forum, which I take with a pinch of salt because they're yeah. all nutcases on that fucking forum. But hey, you don't still amazing stuff. Place. Yeah, but they're still amazing stuff. And Steve, Steve Hoffman and Kevin Gray mastered my 11 Modern Antiquities album originally. Uh, they did it in America, and, and it was incredible. But it was, it was the brick walling year, so they mastered it really low uh, because they were anti-brick walling and, you know, with mastering. That's another story completely. But uh, it was mentioned there about this sonic noise, and I, I honestly got it and didn't play it because I wasn't really getting on it. I wouldn't have known about or wouldn't have been privy to. I just like to look at the package and of course I collected it anyway. But I did put it on when I read that and it's it's genuinely there. There's a high pitch you know, very faint in the background. You go, why is that there? What the fuck is going on? So that's sad. But you know, I wouldn't be so I wouldn't be, you know, overly excited to hear you were reissuing something else, you know, if you didn't get it fucking right. Yeah. But uh but you know, again, I go back to the whole thing about these things are not, you know, it's not this is the only way we can release this because it's so hard to get the this and the that. All the masses are there, you know, I know that. Well, it's definitely all the masses for the second album, you know, because I've heard all the sessions and you know, phenomenal stuff, you know, all the outtakes, all the you know, bits and bobs because you know. 
personally honoured to be privy to that. But, you know, it, there's a beautiful amount of stuff there. And all these incredible acetates that that guy, Modboy, has, has bought. Uh, the eBay seller who bought this entire catalogue of music stuff. Um, Is he the you know guy on, on YouTube who... Yeah. Uh, yeah, I okay, I've seen some of it. It's just all these I've, I've random been, I, idle race acetates yeah. and stuff. Well, well I, I've been there with him from day one, but I knew I wouldn't have a hope of getting any of them. Um, because, you know, I know I know personally other collectors who are well off. And... Uh, and they were going to just jump in. They were going to get them. And what I said to Rob Cage at the time was, just try our best to contact Jeff's people. And, you know, they may just go, oh, who cares? Which is very sad, but they really should consider getting in touch with this guy and getting everything he has. Because these are beautiful, incredible Jeff Lynn demos from the late 60s unknown songs now unless jeff still has his archive intact and he has all the tapes and he's converted everything fantastic but if they're the only copies that exist they should not be going out willy-nilly any six weeks to some freaking collector you know they shouldn't i mean i'd love them all but if i bought them all and I had the money i'd just post them to fucking jeff that's what i do i've done it with many stuff i did it with uh, mutter slater from stackbridge i got two abbey road acetates of stuff that Mutter recorded in the 70s after he left Stackbridge. Do you know Stackbridge, by the way? Um, can't say I do. Well, then, yeah, mine's going to be blown now. So there's one little grain, one little nugget that I found. They, they're they an amazing British band, started in the late 60s. What's they became the, the Corgis. They became the Corgis. Who, everybody's got to learn sometime. They became that band that wrote that song. But... In the early 70s, they were Stackridge. And in 1973, they did their magnum opus, which is The Man in the Bowler Hat, which was produced by George Martin at Air Studios, 1973. So just put in The Man in the Bowler Hat, or Pinafore Days, as it's known in America. So do you want to stick it in there? Uh, okay. What? Stackridge? Yeah. Wall one word. I'm just jotting that down in my notes. Yes. So I okay. Can pull it up later. Ascend to another level of consciousness, and and when you listen to it, you can thank me later. I will. Because it's the Great Lost Beatles album produced by George Martin, and that's why people love Klaatu and and stuff like that. And I'm Klaatu has a couple of great songs, but I'm not. You know, Stackers the real deal real deal brilliant guys and they're still all around and still playing and they're wonderful wonderful people but they're fucking brilliant and uh and they're, they're one of those bands as well that are a bit lost to history but you know there's a lot of love for them what's your man craig ferguson remember craig ferguson's chat show yeah the scottish fella yeah he, he threw his brother from when he was young he was obsessed with stackbridge so on his last ever show he flew Stackridge over from England to reform and do uh, what did he do? They did Pinafore Days live on Craig Ferguson's show and the American people didn't know who the fuck they were. Now, that's not on YouTube, by the way. That's been taken off YouTube, unless it's back up and I don't know about it. But it's such a brilliant performance anyway. Um, well, I guess I'll look on Facebook one. then. <laughs> yes. And, uh, but I was going to say about the Kaleidoscope as well. When they found B-Club Music lad and found kaleidoscope footage at Fairfield Parlor. Do you know kaleidoscope? I Fairfield love Parlor. kaleidoscope. Well, when they became Fairfield Parlor in the late sixties, early seventies, they were still the they were better. I think made a couple of amazing records, but they found footage of them. Um, and Peter Daltrey, the lead singer, put it on Facebook on his Facebook page. About fifty seconds of it, and I was like, "Oh my shit, it looks great!" But Facebook didn't have a bar of it. It was only findable on Facebook. But eventually, he released it on a DVD with the reissue of the Fairfield Parlour stuff, which I recommend you should get. I, uh, I don't fantastic. know much of the of the, the, the Fairfield Parlour stuff, but... Uh, uh, you should get the first album. I, I am a diehard 
kaleidoscope fan. I, well, then you, you just, can, it'll just can flow. Tangerine Dream it'll is flow. one of the greatest albums of all time. Mm, you don't get a copy of that for less than two grand, probably. I, I don't have an, an original. I don't have an original, no. but I do have uh, the nice reissue that came out a couple of years ago on on Fontana. Did you get an original Odyssey and Oracle? <sighs> I wish. E- even the American uh, ones are going up in price. Yeah, but I, I have I have a beautiful original stereo. U- UK or US? Oh, UK. Oh my God, you you have a CBS Odyssey and Oracle. Of course I have, and you know what? If I, I have an, a slight idea of what, where where it might be. I'll have a quick look. Give us a second. I have to extricate myself from the chair. Fans ah! on the run, intermission. I can, I can keep talking. Of a couple of, uh, let me see. Of a 1967 case. So how, how do you sort here. your records? Well, I love I love messing around with them, but I at the moment I'm not sorted at all, which is quite depressing. But um, hold on a minute, I'll get back in looking down. I'm getting insiders. Uh, so what I'll do is right. This is a 1967 oh. LP. So you know what? Now I listeners out there, I don't give a fuck if you find this interesting. I want you to show me what's in that box. Because 67 is my favorite year in music. And that's an actual 1967 UK psychedelic original case. So I don't know what's in this, but I know so I put some... What, ah, what kind geez, of stuff? Whatever. Like Blossom Toes? Oh, Shindig. There's a Shindig in it with Andy Parties, but that was just obviously placed in... Uh, now, let me see. Now, there could be a few things in here that I didn't know was here. Oh, oh okay, well... You probably know I know Andy Parton's very well for uh, a long time. Yeah, I I know. <laughs> well, he, he gave he gave me a lot of stuff when I first met him and I first went over. That's like traffic light rock acetate he gave me, which is XTC, just a t- ten inch down. That's the ten inch of that's the acetate of Dear God. Jesus. Which Andy just gave me. Townhouse uncut. Uncle acetate of dear God. So, you see it? Fucking hell. And oh big God. day on the back. It's 10 inch. And he, he just went up to his attic and said, hey, do you want this? And I was saying, what? And he gave me, uh, gave me the four one-sided acetates of English sentiment. Uh, his original one. And it's got the different track list and it's got tissue tigers on it. Now here, did you get any, any uh, Dukes of Stratosphere stuff off of him? Yeah, yeah, I got. Uh, he gave me a white label test pressing of of the, of twenty five o'clock, and I got a malt in the ministry white label, twelve oh. inch. Now here, to Thomas, to the fifth Idol Race member, signed by Roger, Dave, Greg, and Jeff, when we all hung out in Birmingham a few years ago. Oh my God! And that's on my original. Uh, Bertie party that I have about 25 years. So, uh, there's some pictures of Jeff signed the me. We were in the mayor's, we were in the Lord Mayor's place in Birmingham because Jeff was waiting me over for his his Walk of Fame ceremony. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I just hung out with him all night. We were in the mayor's office at the end of the night and Brian Adams was, was pissing me off. Honestly, he was. He's Canadian, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, this is incredible. This is the, the board's torn, torn, torn. Mm-hmm. But it's it's two. It's a two album original UK test pressing of turn, turn, turn. Of torn, torn, torn. And I swear to God, you won't see another one of these on the planet. They're both one sided. That's just nothing on that side, and that's just the original sixties, sixty five. It was owned by the guy, the head of uh, Columbia in the UK. And I got it out of that shop in, in London, in Tottenham. I was the one across from, from Kong? Kong. Yeah. And I've had people, boards fans, going, what the fuck is that? And I just said, well, you know, it is what it is. Now, if I dive in, ah, 
Well, so there's some conk sheets, right? Some conk uh, recording sheets, because obviously all that stuff was there when you record. Mm-hmm. But uh, this this is my French, original French flip back, Village Green. Oh. But, but it's signed by Ray on the back to Thomas. And he goes, ba 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 ba, because he sang on, on a song on that album Ray did. And he sang some ba 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 ba's. And so he wrote to Thomas Ray Davis, ba 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 ba. Oh, and that's that's the the truncated track listing with with Dave. Yeah, it's the one with Miss Miss Mr. Songboard on it. So I just, uh, as I said, I just uh, this is just uh, this this one box now. Hold on, keep falling forward. Oh my God, I am just. There is no Trillington. You probably have. I I actually don't. That's the original Regal's on a phone, Trillington. And it's it's a mint copy, which I love. So that's something I'm very happy about. I'll go from the back forward. It's easier for me to take out. Okay, this is an original five leaves left. Oh, my God. But the story, there's a rip there, which I hate. But the, basically, it's South African. So the record is South African pressing. But the sleeve is British. And people say, oh, well, then it's not real. But no, they had a surplus of UK sleeves. Yeah. And to, to some of the territories, some of the English territories, they sent out spare sleeves. Like, so it's an original South African present with a British sleeve. I think they did kind of a similar thing with when Pepper came out. Uh, Germany had a surplus of sleeves. And so I, I have an original mono UK in a German sleeve and an original yeah. French stereo in a German sleeve. But it has a Pathé Marconi uh, sticker on it. Yeah, beautiful. They're really, really nice. Uh, I, a... I can already tell what that is. I yeah, think. but it's an original Ger- it's a, it's a German company, that's all. I was going to say, the it's colors German. look a little bit more vibrant. They are vibrant. Well, no, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a, just a German, a German copy. I, I have mine right here. Yeah. You see it on the back with the, with the numbers and stuff. It's just, uh, to be honest with you, it's just, uh, I've got like a, something like a freaking hold on. Oh. See, I've got a few here that I'm not even. Oh, yeah. Tull and boards. Well, this is the, the original Honeybus story album. Do you, do you know the Honeybus well? I I don't know the Honeybus as well as I should. I know I can't oh. let Maggie go. Okay, well, you, this 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 is a bit of a hen's teeth album. Maybe just the original Derham, DRAM. But it is also from my collector's years. I have an original GPO telegram, and it says FJ24, London Telex 22, and it's 1968, and it says, Alex Strickland, Wembley, High Road, Wembley. We can't let Maggie go, but she joins us in sending you best wishes, the honey bus. The telegram sent the honey bus <laughs> from some guy about can't let Maggie go. Just one of those things you... Well, I pick up because I'm mental. But uh, it goes lovely in the original album. You know, you can stick a few quid on that. Uh, where's the Odyssey and Oregon? Uh, I have the Montage album. You know Montage? Montage. Uh, this record will change your life. Uh, Write that down as well, big time. Montage. Yes. Is the Just name put Michael the Brown. Just put Michael Brown in brackets or Michael Brown after. It's basically a left bank album. Oh. Oh. Yes. Okay, I've heard of this. Yes. Mm -hmm. My friend was talking about uh, uh, like post left bank Michael Brown stuff the other day. I'm obsessed with that as well. I've got got this single by Scott Trusty um, which is a really difficult sound record to find. I think there's one on Discord at the moment for 300 quid and it's called Quarter Horses. It's just fantastic. It's a minute and 50 of sheer... Ah! There she is. There she goes. I'll take her out of her sleeve. I know I put her in the special box. So you can probably see the laminate. It's quite beautiful. Oh, that's fucking Uh, incredible. 
it's not flip though. It it never was, I don't think, but it's yeah. the stereo sticker. Well that bits and bobs and, and she's in beautiful condition. She has the original CBS in her. And uh I, I can live with some uh, consolation. I do have a copy of Odyssey and Oracle signed by the four living members of the zombies. That's fantastic. But I, I don't have a CVS original. Yeah, that's the baby. And it is as beautiful as you think it is. And like just really very little marks on it. It's quite a lovely copy. Actually, no, um, the closest thing I, I have is uh, I have the, the 73 uh, Time of the Zombies that has the yeah. Odyssey and Oracle with the same stampers. Yeah, and they're, and they're all becoming extra collectible, really. Um, I just it, it, It's I hard have... to get uh, British records, you know, because they're always like the desirable ones over here. But I have a friend yeah. in, in Toronto who deals almost exclusively, he, he's a Brit, he deals exclusively in British imports. So he, right. you know, sends me the list of what he's got, and it's like, okay, I'll take the I'll take the T-Rex, I'll take the zombies. Oh, yeah. yeah and then, you know, if I, if I in any way come across, because, I mean, I, I'm not in Dublin anymore, but um, I do be privy to some collections and some bits and bobs, so if I ever see it you're interested in, I'll keep it for you, don't worry. But this is the most expensive record apart from my Beatles acetate. You have a Beatles acetate. Uh, I do, I have an acetate I've kept back, don't let me down. Um, this is Pete Dello. It's called Into Your Ears. Uh, if you put Pete Dello into Google now and put Into Your Ears in Discogs, you might see the price Oh, yeah. I, I already love the cover. Yeah, it's a Roger Dean cover. And Kenny Everett um, wrote the sleeve notes, and he, he gave it the, the album of the year, the NMA, in 1971. And it's just become, it's such a beautiful record because it's Honeybus, the guy who wrote Can't Let Maggie Go. Mm -hmm. And it's... 35 years I was looking for this record and I I eventually got it through the guy that reissued my vinyl in the UK, Marcus Holler from Sugarbush Records and he fulfilled my dream and he gave it to me for a pittance compared to what and if you find a copy sure it's going to be two grand but I, it was nowhere near that because of course I couldn't have paid that but See, found I, a beautiful I used to copy. be a the kind of person who, if I wanted an album, I would try and get original pressing from whatever the country the band yeah. is from. However, since yeah. getting into to the psych stuff, it's yes. I, I've kind of had to reevaluate my priorities and where yeah, I draw the line. Yeah, because some of our own touch. Yeah, because some of yeah. our untouchable. It's like and, okay, and oh, introspection by the end. It's like okay, uh, it's, it's it's five hundred pounds like you know what i think i can settle for a reissue that's cheap 500 fucking quid i mean some of them don't deserve it, i don't think some of them aren't very good but i understand ah uh, there's and the then there's some i've accepted i'll never own oh that's left bank too yeah so good i have a i have a reel to reel of left bank too and cassette Again, as a collector, I'm very proud of because the reel to reel is fucking hands teeth. I got that. But anyway, that's just there's only about 20 albums in that box. Oh, there's a Stackers one. It's the original Man in the Bowler hat. What label is it on? You, it's on MCA. Okay. So that's the original UK copy. And as you can see, John Kosh did the cover, who was the famous. Oh, yes. John Kosh, who did obviously the ELO stuff, but um, didn't produced do, by George Martin. Didn't he do Abbey Road? Engineered by Bill Price. Uh, yes, you're right. Let it be, sorry, yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, recorded at Air Studios, London, July, August, September 1973. 
orchestrations on pinafore days to the sun and moon humiliation uh, by George Martin, who also played piano on humiliation and the indifferent hedgehog. String quartet on humiliation consisted of Reg Leopold, four others, Galloping Gaucho. Uh, brilliant. It's such a great record. Such a great record. And I know these guys now, which is just another dream. Uh, their first single was called Daughter the Female Explorer. Yeah, 1969. I'm released in America as well. Huh. I've, al I've always asked, was it did they influence the cartoon and, or was that something that was out before then? And I don't know the answer really. But uh, and Daughter the Female Explorer as a, as a debut single is just, it's just the Beatles. It's phenomenal. So, I think you should put Dora the Female Explorer on now and have a listen to the first minute of it. Uh, I uh, demand. Okay, I, I give in. I'll I'll listen to it. Let's see if it's on yes. Spotify. It is definitely on Spotify. See, um, with, with the psych stuff, I can sit here and admire, but I can, especially for the groups who only put out, like, singles, I, I can live yeah. with, with a, a Jason Crest compilation. I yeah, can, I can live with the Wimple Winch compilation. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. If you know, such things pay. exist, oh, do you do? Do you do? Yeah, no, I, I have a a Jason Crest one. Yeah, did you find Dora? Uh, Dora the female. Well, you have to put Stackridge after it. You just get Dora. No, the I, I I found it Stackridge, and. I'm saving that. I'm saving that for the for later pile. Yes. Well, you'll get you'll get down a stack with rabbit hole. That's it's going to be lovely. Oh, I I I uh, know. I I'm no stranger to my rabbit holes. Yes, and there's a there's a their second album is called Friendliness, and uh, the title track is it's just John Lennon stunning. Now the guy, um, Andy Creswell Davis, right, is his name. They were all like 17, 18 recording this stuff. We were starting off. Now, Andy's a friend online and he's, he's still going and he looks fucking great. He looks, looks brilliant. But uh, when they were recording their first album, they were doing it with the guy, I think it was um, not not Gerald Shevin or any of that. It was someone around the circle of EMI anyway uh, was hanging out with him. And he came into the studio and he said, John Lennon is looking for an acoustic guitar player uh, on his Imagine album, the one he's recording in his house. And so Andy says, I'm in. Just put his hand up, 18 years of age. So Andy went out to Tittenhorst, uh, went in and played acoustic guitar on Oyoko. Wow. And there you go. I mean, what can you say? I mean, he, he'll talk about it many times, but he just went down for the day, went in, and Andy Davis, if you look at the credits, you get the, the new credits, obviously, because most people are credited in the right way now with the reissues, which is great. Uh, see Andy Davis there, and that's the guy from Stackbridge. Oh, speaking of reissues, I, me I meant to ask you, I I've been hearing yes. rumblings out of, uh, I think it's Japan this move uh 11 cd set yeah do you know anything about that's all this? true yeah i do it's all happening the, and i think it's part of um the most i saw was part a, of... a really badly translated uh track listing yeah because that's all that's up at the moment because i think it's the 27th of this month that's coming out um it's yeah it's basically they've, they've collected everything from all the all the issues uh, all the reissues with all the extra tracks. They've collected everything together and put it all on one box. And that's... A lot of people are saying, oh, is there anything new on it? And all, fair enough. But in fairness, the Japanese really know what they're doing in a lot of ways. And it's a great idea to put everything into one little container. Uh, and, you know, 11 CDs, 170 quid, it's, you know, dollars or whatever, it's pretty decent. I'll, I'll probably but, you know, pick it up. Oh, I'll definitely pick it up, and I'm waiting for the link, to be honest with you, but 
Also, it's kind of exciting. There's a BBC. Uh, I know about the BBC because uh, I had uh, Andrew Sandoval yeah. on my show, and right. he he mentioned that he was working on both a, a Honey Bus and a, a Move BBC set. Well, I me and Andrew are great friends. Um, when I was in LA last time, I brought him over some some acetates I have of the Bonzos. Oh yes. Uh, well, because he's working so on the the Bonzo's box. Yeah, that's that's stalled a little, obviously with lockdown and everything. But um, he needle dropped three beautiful acetates I have from like the '66. My brother makes the noises for the talkies and alley oop, and these other ones are they're very four singles. But there's a couple of like unreleased I, I'm takes. I'm gonna bring a stuff. watermelon for my girl tonight. Yes, that's another one, and. Uh, so he needle dropped him, hopefully for inclusion in the box. But um, he's always, I know he did them. Um, he was involved in some other release recently, which I didn't know he'd done. And in fairness, I've just I've just found out now that he's doing the Honey Bus. But I'm I'm doing the reissue. Here's the story behind the Honey Bus thing. I'll just tell you quickly. Pete Dello, who's the guy, he's still alive and he's you know he's still around. But he was the main guy that everything was his band. But his re- that album I just showed you, the ultra rare one, mm-hmm. what I found out when I got that copy was that all the issues we'd known since the 80s when C for Miles brought that stuff back out, we didn't know that Pete kind of got involved then and pretty much radically remixed it and added some stuff on in the 80s. Now, it didn't sound out of place. It sounds amazing. So the C for Miles releases of that album, the Pete Dello album, are the go-to releases because that's what people know because the album sold so little originally. But when I got a copy of the original and I put it on to listen to it, it's a completely different record. Different vocal takes, different instrumentation. It's just something I've never encountered in my life as a collector and a musician. And nobody pointed it out. And then when I went online and pointed it out, uh the record label in Spain came running in and said, look, we're going to have to reissue this at some stage. And that was about five years ago. But I, was only got, I only got an email recently saying they're doing it and they asked me to do the sleeve notes for it. Record so, label in, in Spain? It's yeah, yeah. Gar- Garrison? What's it called? No, it's the uh, Panky Panky. Okay. Because I know there's, <laughs> a, there's a lot of great reissue labels out of Spain. Well, Hanky Panky has some brilliant stuff. If you want to check out their site even uh customers and I did all the sleeve notes for the all the honeybus reissues on vinyl there, the story one and the the uh the first album and the recital album which was the one that they got they got the test pressing stage and was never released so they reissued that. So I done the sleeve notes on them which I'm very proud of. But I'm gonna do the new Pete Dello reissue and I'm gonna interview Pete which is incredible because he really doesn't do anything publicly. So I might talk to Andrew now later. Thanks for putting me on there because I might talk to Andrew and I'm pretty sure Andrew would have talked to Pete by now, but I'll just say to him, I'm going to be talking to him about that reissue and see if he can help me with any stuff he might have unearthed. It's because I, I have a, I have the disc of, of Honeybus BBC stuff, which I got from a very close guy with the band and uh, so if someone asks what's coming out I'm delighted because it's fantastic like a transcription disc well yeah a lot of um, some off air but a lot of the transcription disc stuff just converted digitally so I, but, I uh, yeah, can't wait it, for the for the move set because I, I have yeah. a, it, it's in terrible quality but I, I found it on some you know dark corner of the internet this yes. BBC bootleg with all this, you know, other shit and some like great versions of like I can hear the grass grow and Wild Tiger Woman. Yeah. Yeah, well the the Mill BBC one is a is a very good release, but you probably picked up a bootleg. Um, oh I, I, the pre- I know I have a, a bootleg, but it's it's an old bootleg. Yeah, but it's not the one with the BBC logo on the cover, is it? And the, no. the colour picture of them. Because that was released, and that was pretty decent, but it was pretty, you know, it was just a minimalist release, really, but it was good. 
Well, hasn't a lot of that um, stuff ended up on like the esoteric reissues? Yeah, it was the one big coup I thought for the esoteric ones was was getting falling forever. Uh, the Jeff kind of lost song that was only available on bootlegs in pretty bad quality. So they sourced a really great copy of that. It's on the Shazam one. I think it's on Shazam. It's, I don't know, it, it should be on the Looking On one, sorry. And uh, For some so reason, you check that I, out, I have every, I have all of the esoteric move stuff except for Looking On. My my local record shop keeps them all in stock, like the three CD, the one CD versions of Move and Shazam, but they don't have Looking On. For fuck's sake, so have you heard Falling Forever? I don't think I have. Holy shit, that's one of the great last Jeff tracks from 1970. YouTube. Yeah. Yeah, but do you, do you want to do a quick, say, 15 minutes of me actually just talking normally and answering some quick questions? I'll try and be concise. Okay. Well, you don't have to be concise. <laughs> Still Paul McCartney in the 80s? Yes. Yeah. No. Yeah. Because in the 80s, after Lennon was shot, uh, and, you know, being fans, obviously, so every time he'd be on telly, we'd know. And he'd be on, like, the Wogan show or Noel Edmonds, all these English, you know, yeah. interviewers and stuff, and David Frost or whatever, or Russell Harty. And you'd hear Paul McCartney's on tonight. You'd go, oh. So all those, say, 82 maybe to 86, he just could not be interviewed. I mean, there's some shockers on, and you can get them on YouTube now, which yeah. is great. Uh, but he was so on nervous. The, but... On the Tonight Show with uh, John yeah. Carson, and that one's not great. No, and, and it's, it's like, quite hey, close Paul, to when a, he... There's a guitar there. It's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, but, the, but there's some funny moments in that Johnny Carson one, in fairness, but the English ones he literally went down to. So, say Noel Edmonds would say, so, Paul, you've got a new release. Yep. And tell us about it. Well, it's a new release. And he, you know, it was that kind of thing for years, three or four years. And what I found out later on, because I was only young then, was that he was stoned off his box. Like, he was really overly stoned. He was getting... Because he was nervous about being out in public after Lennon was shot. It was a huge thing. Um, that was a very, very prevalent thing with Paul McCartney which a lot of people have forgotten about John Lennon was murdered I mean you know he's Paul McCartney why can't it happen to him so for a lot of years after Lennon he was just not a public man so a quick thing I, on, I remember Paul and you know being stoned and you know pot and shit yeah back to bootlegs my favorite bootleg I, I own is it's called like Wings Live in Tokyo and it looks like a, a Japanese release, but then you flip it okay. over and the picture on the back cover is McCartney in handcuffs, smiling to the camera. And I got brilliant. Lawrence Juber to sign it. <laughs> That's brilliant. Well, I, I'm, when I get to America in a few weeks, I'm doing the Backyard Boil Honey show, uh, which is something I do every time I go over, and it's it's for autism. And, but it has all the great, Sessiony, you know, LA guys and all there, all great people and all. But the last time I did it, I did it with Lawrence Tuber. And he was on before me, and I was up in the little shack that's over the stage. It's a backyard, which is beautiful. And uh, and he was there, and he was doing a few wing scenes. I was just going, that's fucking Lawrence Tuber. So he says, right, I have to go. You know, you're nervous going on at any gig, you know, pretty much, just the way it is. But So I had to just go on stage straight after him. And I said hello to someone. I said, brilliant. And I'll you know, see you later and all that. And yeah. And when I got off stage, he was gone. So I never really got to just sit and chat about everything with him, which I would have loved to have done. Just to say the, the fucking wonderful Christmas time lead break is fucking genius. All right. So there's a, there's a segment here we like to do on the show called the quick fire questions, which is great. Very, love it. It's, it's very badly named. Because the questions are quick, but the answers are not. I'll try and be quick. Okay. What is your favorite Beatles song? It's, it's Cry for Shadow. 
Come on. El it, could you elaborate a little? Is that one of the quick fire questions? <laughs> I love it. I love Frank the Shadow. It's brilliant. It's the only song, well, one of only two songs, isn't it? Written with John and George, pretty much, isn't it? Or Paul and George? One of the, I can't yeah, remember. It was John, it's John and George. George. All right. Yeah, what is your and least I love favorite it. I love it. I love song? it. Uh, if you got troubles. Fair enough. Not an uncommon answer. What is your favorite? I still love it though. What is your favorite Beatle album? Today, Sgt. Pepper. What is your least? It's just favorite? because. Oh, sorry. What's my least favorite Beatles album? Yeah. That's an illegal question. Uh, it's an illegal, an illegal question. question. I've, I've asked about seven okay. six times. Okay. Um, eight Days a Week soundtrack or something. Is that, was that released? Yeah. Just because uh, of the cover. Uh, because uh, of the cover. I, I, I'll agree with that 100%. Awful cover. Yeah, just because. Because, I, cause, I mean, I love rock and roll music. It's the 70s compilation. With the cartoon cover, with the the finger on the cover, yeah. Because Lennon said, "Oh, they're... and Lennon was right, you know, because he made this amazing music with this incredible artwork, and that was shitty kind of seventies silly stuff. But that is a fantastic compilation album. It's a stunner, and they sound the pressing is beautiful. It's a Parlophone seventy-seven or you know. Anyway, so I put that ahead of most albums. A lot of people would say that's our worst album, but eight days a week for the cover." What's your favorite Move song? Mm, that's so hard. Um, uh, Keep in mind, you're yes. always allowed to lie. Written by Roy or written by someone else? I mean, just for today. Okay. Uh, like, last thing, last thing on my mind from Shazam just for today. Okay. That's Kilroy good. was here for Roy. Okay, I, I like that choice. Um, what's your favorite Idle Race song? Oh, it's even harder. It's even harder. Um. Whoa. Uh, come with me. And thus concludes the quickfire questions. For the one time in the show's fucking history where the answers have actually been quick. Yeah, because I just thought, it's, it's why go on a 20 minute rant about the worst Beatles album? There's no such thing. You know, so, but anyway. Um, and yeah, uh, there's even, you know, even those albums with more Frank Oifield tracks than fucking Beatles tracks are still brilliant. Yeah. Because at least they have Beatle tracks. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the question I think I'll end on, why do you think the Beatles still matter? Uh, because they were lightning in a bottle. They were just four people who lived close to each other pretty much from all kinds of different backgrounds, from really poor to quite well off. Uh, but just all came under the umbrella of of having some DNA in them that was to change the world. And that is, as I said, that's lightning in a bottle. And that's why, because that that's grain of sand beginning is the reason why there's, because it all happened from that, it's such a, it's such a rare thing. So when you get people like Elvis Presley, who was born looking like Elvis Presley and looking like a star till he died, really, even though he went through some bad times, you know, they're, they're just one-offs. You know, they're, they're special people. They're like, they could be aliens, you know? And that's why we, we shouldn't get excited about, you know, Kanye West or, you know, people who just really don't have it. They just, they're just, a thing, they're just a kind of a, a jokey thing. They might as well be a 
that animated character or something. I don't know. They just, I don't even pick him out of any particular reason. There's so many other artists you can pick. But as the example of someone who thinks they're great, he's the great example of someone who thinks they're great. But these people never thought they were great till, till the day some of them died. And even now, you know, still so humble. And that's, that's something that really sticks with people, the humility of the Beatles. The fact that they never assumed that they were great, George Harrison. If you if you were, if you landed from Mars and you saw George Harrison footage, you think he was in a dead end accountant's job for fuck's sake all his life. He was always just, oh well, whatever. Yeah, did that, yeah. Well, he did that. He just and that's what we love him. And it wasn't like he didn't go off secretly and go, yeah, but I wrote Taxman and I wrote something. I'm just having a laugh here. He genuinely didn't care. He was just born with it. But he was born with this humility which never made him turn into a Kanye West. Never. So that's the reason. There's no other reason other than mentioning him, by the way. I can't think of anyone else. Uh, Kid Rock. Oh, He's a prick. Ted Nugent. Let's think of all the dodgy ones. Um, but anyway, yeah, so that's humility. And talent. That's what I'll say. That's why it's a boy forever. I just realized I've gotten through an entire episode of Fans on the Run without <laughs> once mentioning Dave D, Dozy, Beaky, Mick, and Titch. Which... No, I mentioned them. Oh, no, I didn't. Oh, shit. No, I mentioned Dave Clark Five. Sorry. Yeah. Well, do you want to mention? Well, you know, uh, Whole Tight is a brilliant song. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, uh, fucking, what's it? Uh, Lavatories of England or something is yeah, awful. The Lose of England. Uh, you know, yeah, the Lose of England. I, or I, but, I have an unhealthy fatuation with this band because their existence yeah, is, Kosh, just, is just incredibly funny to me. Well, I'll tell you, my, my ex guitar player, Tosh, he loves two of their B sides from around 67, 68, and I don't really know them that well, but he fucking loves them. He bought. He went out and bought two particular records of these B sides, so you'd know what they are, anyway. But what, like, um, he's a raver. No, later. That sounds earlier. It's around sixty-eight, maybe. Okay. So, so like, it would B-sides. be like the B side to like I don't know, Legend of Xanadu. It could be. Yeah. Something. Well, Legend of Xanadu. Jeff Jeff Lane ripped off Legend of Xanadu. I don't mean in the Xanadu. Uh, yeah, but he did because of. I always thought that was a kind of a slightly subconscious thing Jeff did, but at the end of Xanadu, when it goes Xanadu, you know, the, yeah. it's basically Xanadu, Legend of Xanadu with Dave D. Uh, and they were, they were fun. You know, yeah. They weren't my favorites, but. No, it's, it's, it's music that's not really sophisticated, but you can enjoy well, it. But you know what? It doesn't need to be. The whole site is a fucking great song, great record, great guitar sound. Like the drums sound like they're they're gonna burst through your fucking speakers. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Anyway, tell us your Dave D. Dozy obsession. No, it's just um. You always mention them. Okay. Yeah, just mention them. TBB. And you know, of course, the Dave D. I don't have to tell you, Dave D. is history, of course. Yeah. Being a being a copper, James Dean, whatever it was, James Dean wasn't. It? No, I think it was Eddie Eddie Cochran. What the fuck am I saying, James Dean? That was American. Eddie Cochran, yes, Eddie Cochran. But James they're, Dean. they're they're they're. So around England, James Dean. They're, they're a group <laughs> where uh, my I my aforementioned British record dealer friend uh, last year for my birthday is like. Hey, uh, do you have this uh, Dave DLP? And I'm like, no. It's like, well, it's yours. Happy birthday. And I went to his house to pick it up, and he said, so you know how I said I'd I'd give you a Dave DLP? Well, I'm actually giving you four. And because well, that's nice. Well, because he said you're the only person I know who uh, knows who they are, and I probably yeah. couldn't give them away to anybody else. <laughs> Now that's a fair point, and that's where you have your plus being where you are. You know that some people just don't get, but you know they're not a collectible band, really. No. You know, 
I mean, they're, they're, you collect them because you love the music, and that's fucking well, great. Like, I'm not. E- I just, I find their existence funny. Yes, a lot, but a, a lot better than say Freddy and the Dreamers. Oh God, I can't stand Freddy and the Dreamers. So you know that that just that just grates a little too much, and he's hopping yeah. around like a fucking lunatic. So. Yeah, so and they had they had musical chops. Dave, the great singer, you know, I, I great bought, entertainer. No, no, that behind me, listeners, you, you won't be able to see this. It's a concert poster from '68, <clears throat> and I I mainly bought it because the Yardbirds are you know top billing, but second billing are Dave D, Dozy Beaky, Mick and Titch, and I thought that's Fucking just right. Even, they were huge. That's a funny juxtaposition, like just prior to Led Zeppelin. Uh, Yardbirds, mm-hmm. 1967, 68, and fucking Dave D. But you'll find, and this is the truth, and I know it's been mentioned, I couldn't say for definite, but a track like Hold Tight with the guitar sound, that would have influenced Jimmy Page and Jeff Beck. And they would have been probably playing on those sessions, a lot of them. But, you know, a lot of those songs are loved by those classic artists, you know what I mean? Because they were the bands that were having the big hits then, and they were struggling. So you, you you almost when I hear Francis Rossi talking about status quo, and talk, he, he idolizes Jeff Lynne. He absolutely is obsessed with Jeff Lynne, Francis Rossi, and it's great reading and listening to some interviews where he goes off about Jeff because he's as big a fan as we'd be, and uh, I love all that. But he also talks very highly about Roy Wood and the Move because he said, you know, the Move were having this big, they were huge, they were a huge fan. They were a huge fan number ones and hit records and smashing the gear we all yeah. the usual they they would have been the, as big in the states as as cream and hendrix if it would have been they would have easily been because they have the songs to back them up but if they'd have gone over in 65 66 they could have but they weren't really around then they're only just starting so but you know a lot of it is to do with you find out over the years then that maybe some of the band members just went into all the traveling and stuff which is fine you know a lot of bands just didn't succeed because of that. You know, some bands weren't willing to travel. Honey Bus is another great example. You know, Pete Eller just didn't want to play live. And, which which is ironic you know, because number... their, their name has a vehicle. It does, exactly. But, you know, let's face it, you're not getting much further than the British coast if you're on a bus. Unless you want to get into the Channel Tunnel. Four, they didn't have it then, sadly. No Channel Tunnel. But, uh, so, uh, but yeah, so it's always, you know, some people say, oh, why didn't they do that there? Why didn't that happen there? Sometimes it's a very boring, normal life things. Wives, girlfriends, boyfriends, marriages, you know, fear of flying, fear of Gene Clark, Brian Wilson. You know, there's a lot of them. Or in the case of Eddie Grant from The Equals being thrown through a car windshield. Was Eddie Grant thrown through a car windshield? Uh, yeah, the Eagles got into like a big car crash. That's fucking brilliant. I didn't know that. Fill me in on the Eagles here. Uh, Dave Gregory, by the way, is the biggest Eagles fan. I love. Did the you Eagles. did you get onto that with him? No, but now I wish I did. Uh, it was like you... 1970 in Germany. They were you know driving down the autobahn, and they they crashed, and everyone else got off with like you know a cut or a bruise. But Eddie Grant, yeah. you know, he he was based, he was almost paralyzed. Like he, he end- like he fell through the car windscreen, and like rolled like several yards away from the car. So he landed on Electric Avenue. He he did, and that, that gave him hope, Joanna. It did. And you know, so fucking, I won't even think of the other one. Uh, uh, but he didn't want to dance for weeks after, didn't he? And so... I don't want to dance. That's another one. Um, but that, yeah, I didn't know about being equal. So I thought he was split by 1970, but maybe. I know Tosh brought a copy of, what's it? Jimmy and the Pepper Slipper Tree. What's it called? Yeah. That oh, single. It's, yeah. Something. Slipper Tree or something? Yeah. I, I know the one you're talking about. They had Tosh got David. Yeah, you got David demo with that or something brought it to him. There's a a really good single of theirs from around like '73, uh, called Diversion. Oh, so they, they went, so they went on that far then. Yeah, 
with Eddie Grant. Uh, yeah. Oh. But it, well, it, check that. It was Andy Partridge is a massive Eagles fan. It, it's interesting because my my friend and I have a hypothesis, kind of like T Rex in the seventies, how all of their songs just kind of sounded the same, and they just did the same song. The Eagles did that too. But again, why would you fuck with the formula if it's such a good formula? Yeah. If they're all boom, boom, so you, boom, 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 all yeah. really great stompers. So you had a T-Rex and a hippopotamus? Exactly. You said I had a hypothesis oh. on, on T-Rex, and I was like, hold on, you have a hippopotamus and a T-Rex? Have you got a opening a zoo? The Alexanian zoo. You pronounced it right. But anyway. See, when I start talking silly, that means I'm coming to the end of my brain. Yes. But, uh, yeah, Andy's a huge Eagles fan. Big influence on his guitar playing, he said Eddie Grant was, uh, which I, I couldn't understand when I heard him say it years ago. But then I checked it out, and he's right, all that choppy stuff. Yeah. Doing all the choppy guitar playing. No, no, um, no, 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 Yeah, there's all that kind of that Andy used to love. It's kind of reggae, but it's kind of a different type yeah. of, of reggae in a way. But... Yeah, so, but to, just to finish off, because um, you asked about the Beatles, obviously, the ultimate why they would linger, but or would stay around. But also, thank God to Peter Jackson. We bail at the genius that is Peter Jackson because that man is now he's a fifth Beatle for most people because he is done the work of God and all the people who worked with him, all his crew. What a job he did. What It's just the most glorious, glorious thing. It's so brilliant. And did you hear Lennon talk about the move, by the way? Yeah, did I see did. That? I saw that. He was talking about the I Color jumped. Me Pop thing. Yeah. Yeah, that, and the that first... pop show on, on BBC Two. The move were on. There you go. You do a good Lennon as well. Well done. And uh, yeah, I just jumped out of the chair that night when I watched When it came on, I was waiting for the stream to come on. I was sitting here with Disney Plus waiting. Yeah, and uh, I was traveling. I was going to America uh, on the day after the first episode, so I wasn't going to see the second and third until uh, I got back from America. And I turned up at a house show uh, in New York at a friend of mine's, and you know, a lot of people there in his house, and I was great. And he has a huge television, massive Beatles fan, and he had the third episode with the rooftop gig ready to go, and I just screamed, "Don't press!" play because there's no way you can just have that on in the background and not have seen it in that glorious 4k jesus christ it's my favorite beatles gig of all time is the rooftop it's unbeatable in my opinion and, and it just got better just, with the you know and it got, and it's just a dream by the way i have to tell you something that you should do okay because it, it gave me goose pimples on goose pimples See these cans I have on here, right? These are beats, right? You yeah. know, they're Bluetoothy, you know, all that stuff. No mm -hmm. shit. So they just they remixed and remastered the rooftop thing. Remember when they put it to Apple Music or they put yeah. it online? Is the Dolby Atmos? Yes. I've I've well, listened to it. But have you synced it up with your Disney Plus? That I have not. Right, so I used to do this when I was a kid. So this is another thing about you thought about the graphic design. And I used to do those calcitos where we started off. Well, this is another thing. I used to put like video footage on my old VHS tapes and go into my parlor and play the music through the speakers loud and play the video and sync it up. When the when the video sound was crap or when it wasn't on it or when it was just muck, and I sync it up and I have this big buzz, you know, it'd be great. The early days of surround sound, but um, but I had Disney Plus on online the remix and remastered of it. I put on these cans, sorry, I Bluetooth it to my phone. I played the music on the phone and I just sat here with my remote control, pausing and waiting for it to sync up. And then when it syncs up with the visual and the sound in your ears, oh my god off the scale I was shaking with excitement I'm it was so have good to do that and so on you have to do it and, and I'll tell you right, there's a little gap obviously online between the tracks right so you can't just let it flow right so after every song you have to do a little rejig but that's the fun of it 
doing the little fast forward to pausey pausey. It's really cool. And when you sync it spot on, you know the way even when you get syncing on official movies and the snare drum is being hit on the bass drum or something, you know that kind yeah. of crap? But when you sync it up and it's so perfect, you might as well be sitting on the fucking roof. It's just phenomenal. It really is brilliant. So Last thing, because I don't want to take up too much of your, your time, uh, do you have anything that you'd like to promote at the moment? Uh, well, I'll just say if anyone is listening, go and check my music out, which is Pugwash. That's what I'm known as. I also did this project with Neil Hannon from Divine Comedy called the Duckward Lewis Method, which was basically ELO meets the Beatles with songs about cricket. So you don't have, to have any knowledge of cricket. It's like you don't have to have any knowledge of how to build a stairway to heaven to listen to stairway to fucking heaven. So, you know, you don't have to have a knowledge about cricket because that's all we got asked for years. Well, I don't know what about cricket. Will I be into this? Well, you know, you don't know what about fucking... Think of any song with the most stupidest... You don't, you don't have to be in a strawberry field to love strawberry fields. You know, you can think of any. So, uh, you know... Uh, so yeah so I, I, my music is online everywhere it's on Spotify it's on Apple I'd rather you listen to it on Apple Music because it's it's a wonderful platform that Spotify is awful um, for many reasons including this, mainly the sound quality who cares if they pay or not because I'm well used to that now but the sound quality is hideous on Spotify Apple Music is stunning so uh, check it out wherever you can it's on YouTube as well all that stuff it's, whatever it was nicked it's up there and Pugwash and Duckard Lewis Method and enjoy. And if you like it, come to the Facebook pages and join the little groups. And for, and all, you, for all you listeners, I'll have the links in the description. So you oh, can very just, nice. you know, click away and hop right in. Yes, absolutely. And I'm happy to answer any questions at any time of the day because I'm a night owl. So when you think, there's no way he's going to be up at 6 o'clock in the morning in Dublin. Or in Ireland, and then you go, now I'm probably still up listening to a Beatles album. <laughs> like I was last night, which is fantastic. Yeah. It's 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 the re it's the remix of Helter Skelter. That's weird for me on the White Album, which is really incredible. Because it's almost that's the one where they kind of almost brought too much to the table, even though all that stuff is there. But that's so that's so ingrained in our, in us in our ears in our in our DNA as I say that when it's radically different it can it can jar a little bit and it's kind of radically different I think on that remix but I still loved it but it loses a little bit of power a little bit of power anyway that's the end of that and and with that Thomas I I just want to thank you immensely for for coming on the show today. Well, you're lucky my major move boxes are stacked away because you'd never have got off. Well, at least I found, honestly, an article. I'm happy about that. Yeah. Well, so, uh, there's, it was a there's pleasure always room Thank for you a very part much. two. <laughs> always room for part two, and I could be prepared then. You could easily do a, a show and tell. And to all of you listeners out there, thank you for listening. You can go home. Bands on the Run is produced by Ethan Alexander. Additional voiceovers by Richard Phillip. This has been a Showtown production.